And here we go. Um, it was truly a masterpiece. I don't know about all that. Ugh, absolutely the worst movie ever. Hands down, bar none, the greatest action spectacular Yep. Well, uh, the other one just stuck them up. Are you asking me? I promise I'm not going to sing this time around. Welcome to Don't Be Crazy Podcast. I'm Justin Kavanagh. With me, as always, is Mr. Zachary Rancourt. Here we discuss and dissect what makes a film absolutely amazing or just pure rubbish. All that we ask of each other is don't be crazy. Don't be crazy, Zach. They think I'm cute. They know I'm sexy. I got the looks that drive the women wild. Just a sexy boy. Sexy boy. I can't stand Shawn Michaels. I thought you liked him. No. no, no, no. Yeah, you said you didn't like him. Are you like kidding him. me? <laughs> Did you get too many sweet chin music to you the face? You don't know me at all, man. <laughs> no, I know, I know you like Rick Rude, and I know you like Chicos and Chicos. Razor <laughs> Ramon. Sure, yeah. He's a good one. Mr. Perfect is one of my faves, and uh, Bret Hart. Yeah, I do like Bret Hart. I almost said... And that's the bottom line because Zach Rancourt said so. But I didn't know if that was going to fly over your head or not because you said you're not a Stone Cold fan. Yeah, not really. I kind of, I was uh, not my jam. Yeah, I was a big Stone Cold fan. I loved wrestling growing up uh, in the 90s and had all the figurines. It was like my lifeblood and absolutely, absolutely adored it. But Stone Cold is my favorite. So. Yeah, man. But anyways, I, I'm good. How are you? Fabulous. Hey. I, I have no complaints. Today was so busy. I had a billion trillion meetings and they were never ending. <laughs> I was starving and all I wanted to do was eat, but I couldn't I couldn't get away. And uh, then I had tons of work to do. But I, then I, I did eat, but then I was like in a food coma to where I couldn't write. <laughs> so it was a problem. I had like three like product solicitations to write. And I don't know how to do that when my mind shuts off. <laughs> So it, yeah. was, uh, it was challenging, to say the least. Yeah, I feel you. I've been slammed this week. We're down a, a coworker, and I have just been slammed. And it is it is frustrating at times. I have to get up and go outside to like clear my mind for a second just because I'm like, oh, I can't stare at this computer screen for that much longer. So, yeah, I've taken the nature of the parking lot. Yeah, the concrete jungle. See, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I can predator two electric boogaloo. Yeah, I'm Danny Glover. <laughs> That works. Yeah. <laughs> Your math is sound. It <laughs> <laughs> checks out. <laughs> so what have you been watching? Man, I don't know. I haven't really been watching much or that I can think of. Uh, I spent the Memorial Day weekend out in the woods. That was really cool. But even when I came back, I, I was like, man, I just want a night to just like watch movies. And I, I had I planned on watching Inside Lewin Davis. I wanted to watch like Lethal Weapon 2. Um, but I didn't really watch much that I could recall, but I did watch uh, the final episode of the Mighty Ducks Game Changers, and it wasn't too bad. It's a solid little show. If you like cheesy uh, teen drama Disney shows, I guess they're teens, but uh, I, I enjoyed it, you know, a lot of, a lot of nostalgia. And then I've been playing Grand Theft Auto 5. Is it 5? Yeah, Grand Theft Auto 5. Uh, it's it's fun. I enjoy it. Um, I, I'm in the same predicament. I, I I feel like I can only play for like 30 minutes at a time because I keep getting pulled away into multiple directions. But yeah, I mean, other than that, I just usually put the Simpsons or the office on in the background. So it's been pretty boring, man. I, I apologize. I wasn't able to really watch anything. That's OK. Yeah. I've, I've been playing video games like crazy, so I, I get it. I had to take a break. I was playing um, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild for like the last couple of days Ooh. and I started on Friday going into the long weekend and I hate the game. I hate it so goddamn much and everyone loves it. I'm not into it, but I have to beat it because I can't complain about it until I beat it. So I'm just trudging along <laughs> <laughs> and then endure. Um, yeah, exactly. I mean, there's these towers that you have to climb like Assassin's Creed yeah. where you get to the top of the tower and unlock it and everything. So there's that, yeah. but it just so happens that these towers are, fucking go into outer space and so they take forever to go up there you could literally watch the extended cut of lord of the rings by the time you get to the top of this fucking tower and there's a million of them and then it opens up the map right so there's that and it really bothers me and then just the idea that i have to get extra hearts just to get the master sword like i need 13 fucking hearts and i don't want 13 hearts i just i'm good with like the six that i have i i got this 
But no, I need more hearts. So now I got to go to all these shrines and solve these puzzles to get four of these things in order to get a new heart. And so it's just it's just busy work and it drives me insane. I saw that they're releasing a new Switch, or there's rumors at least that they're going to probably release a new Switch this year. And I do not own a Switch, but I've always wanted to. So I think uh, I probably will have to buy one in the fall. But honestly, like, so I love Zelda. Absolutely. Like Ocarina of Time is my one of my favorite. It is my favorite game of all time. And I've heard good things of Breath of the Wild, and I've seen videos of it, and it looks cool. But I could totally understand what you're talking about. I feel like it's a grind at times. Yeah, I don't need the grind. I just want to go. I want to go to this castle, beat it. I want to go to that castle, beat it. I want to go inside this tree and and eat it. I don't care, whatever. I, yeah. I don't. I just want to progress forward. And when there's open world games, there comes a point where where you should just be able to just pack up your shit and complete the game and not feel like I have to do this or I have to do that. And I've seen videos of them just like speed running, running right to Ganon and beating it like in 10 seconds or whatever. And that's fine. But, <laughs> you know, I I can appreciate a, a linear playthrough versus a sandbox Zelda game a little Absolutely. bit more. And I totally so. get it. The only grinding you do, Justin, is with your skateboard at the skate park. Yeah. In the in the chase parking lot. There you I go. got some fat rails. Yeah. Some uh, gnar. I got some gnar. Yeah. Got my got my Mountain Dew and I got <laughs> Extreme. My, yeah. I got I got Xbox not Xbox, X Games nineteen ninety nine on cassette and I just listen to it like Lebowski listens to bowling matches. There you go. Yeah. It's pretty sweet. So anyway, and then I, I watched um I watched all the Star Trek movies. I watched Star Trek uh, like at least the two thousand nine, then into darkness and then beyond. Uh watched those over the weekend and then uh, of course, we've been watching Star Wars: The Bad Batch because we review it every week on the Geek Legacy podcast. So, yeah, that. yeah. I'm behind. Is uh, is Star Trek Beyond streaming anywhere? Because I actually never saw that one. Um, I don't know the answer to that. I have, I got like a movie triple pack on the Voodoo's for like ten dollars. So nice. Okay. Well, so you know, you can once have it's my streaming. Login. Well, once it's streaming, I'll, I'll do it. I don't want to steal from you. Only your you heart. Can steal. You can steal. That's fine. <laughs> We're, we don't work at Target anymore. We can steal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Don't talk to me. Don't talk to me, criminal. <laughs> Love that. I, I almost texted that to you today. Don't and talk then to I told, me, criminal. And then I told myself I would work it into this conversation instead. Well, there you go. It was super easy. Since you have a buddy. Yeah, barely an inconvenience. Since, barely you have, inconvenience. Uh, since you have a buddy you, sh- you say that with, I thought it would be fun. Oh, my God. Yeah, Monaco and I. Because we, we did AP and, uh, and I would always say that. I'd be like, don't talk to me, criminal. <laughs> Because we saw Transformers together, so <laughs> perfect. Great. Uh, so, are you ready to talk about this week's movie? I'm very excited. Yeah, I mean, yeah, if we must. <laughs> yeah, we must. We have to. It is a moral imperative. So, we're going to do "Welcome to the Dollhouse" from 1995. It has an 87-minute runtime. Uh, we saw this on the Voodoo. I, I purchased it digitally. It was on sale during uh, the Memorial Day weekend. And it cost a whopping $6 USD. And then I immediately Venmoed you $6 USD so that you could buy it too. (laughs) Hopefully it was still on sale. But I love this movie so much. It is such a part of me. Um, I saw it when I was uh, a wee lad. We'll get into that later. Uh, But I, this is a staple in my household. And it's, it's one of those, those gems where they maybe made a few copies of it and then it kind of went out of print. And so, the very idea that it became available on digital just made me have to get it. So I have it forever. But holy smokes, love this movie. It, it was the winner of the Grand Jury Prize at the Sundance Film Festival all the way back in 1996. Directed by Todd Salandis, uh, who did Storytelling, which is a movie I had to watch in college. Uh, thanks, Mr. Maloney. Appreciate that. And then uh, also Happiness. Uh, the film was written by Todd Salandis. Uh, the cast includes Heather Matrazaro, uh, who is, uh, she's in Princess Diaries, and she's also uh, Jamie Scream. Kennedy's brother, or sister, rather. Yeah, she's uh, she's in Scream 3, which is great. Um, Brendan Sexton third, Daria Kalinina, <laughs> and then uh, Matthew Faber and Eric Mabius. Um, very excited about that. Critical Reception. We have, of course, let's see here. Uh, Hollis Griffin from Common Sense Media says, A dark look at adolescence not for kids. Yeah. 
So there you have it. Not for kids. No, I kids. don't know. I was a kid when I saw it, and I did. I, I think this is one of those movies because it deals with bullying to such a, an extreme degree. I do think that kids would benefit from watching this movie hmm. uh, just to just to see how not to treat other human beings. So uh, Josh Larson from Larson on Film says a vision of middle school awkwardness so cringeworthy you'll be tempted to look away. And I know, Zach, you looked away a couple times because you kept texting me while you were watching it. So it was definitely getting under your skin. And then Rob Nelson from City Pages, uh, Minneapolis, St. Paul, says, Welcome to the dollhouse, but it's an ugly duckling through her paces. That's the only negative review, as this film is actually at a whopping 90% on the old Rotten Tomato meter there, and it has an 86% with the audience score. So it did very, very well critically. Uh, of course, the movie had a budget of $800,000, and uh, the only theatrical data that I was able to gather was that it made $4.5 million, which would have been a very limited release, uh, which would have got some steam after you know winning the film festival circuit. Nice. So there you have it. Yeah. And uh, 95, you know, things weren't streaming then. If this had been something that could have jumped to streaming, they could have done like premium video, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, so, you would have wasted all your AOL minutes. You yeah. would have wasted 87 minutes <laughs> of, your, <laughs> of your AOL uh, time clock there. You, you just got to go get new CDs from the magazines and put them into <laughs> yeah. your computer. Yep. <laughs> Hopefully all the listeners know what we're talking about there. But yeah. I remember when they you... were sending like a good disc. Yeah, that's what like, I mean. Whoa. Yeah, yeah, I mean, before CDs even, like oh. they were sending discs. Oh, yeah. It's like, whoa, calm calm down. We, uh, our internet, we had, uh, our ISP was like this local one, I can't remember. But yeah, you know, you had to get off the off the phone because it was, it was dial up. And my mom, our password was um, I-F-Y-I-Y-I-T. It's, and it was an acronym for if you're on internet, you're in trouble. <laughs> And that was the only way I remembered it. But I cracked the code one time because my mom said it. And I was like, ooh. <laughs> so I kept sneaking on the internet to look at porn when I was a kid. <laughs> Whoa. I know. It was racy. But yeah. I, I typed in cool naked ladies on, on, on the AOL yeah. search. On Ask, hot, Ask Jeeves. Hot babes. <laughs> Iron hot, Eagle. <laughs> hot funny babes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, anyhow. Okay. Well, here's some fun trivia. Heather Matarazzo later said that this movie and especially the scene where her classmates call her a, or her, her character a lesbo made her aware of her own homosexuality. She stated that at the time she didn't even know what lesbo meant. But after doing some research, she realized, oh, my God, that's what I am, a lesbian. However, due to her Catholic upbringing, she later felt apologetic, ashamed and secretive, which is bullshit, mind you. And it took her nine more years before she was comfortable enough to officially come out. Film debut of Heather Matarazzo, who played Don Wiener, Eric Mabius, who played Steve Rogers, and Brendan Sexton III, Brandon McCarthy. I think your singing was a little flat that time. That's the quote. Uh, that part is used as the ending segment of Lag Wag Lag Lagwagons Lagwagons song "Leave the Light On" from the 1998 album "Let's Talk About Feelings." And finally, the reoccurring rock music theme used between the cuts is an excerpt of the song Evening of Desire by the Undead. Yeah, it's like dan, dan, dan. Yeah, <laughs> just a drum roll. So cool. <laughs> actually, that, that was one of the only parts I actually really liked. I, I, I liked the music a lot. So, uh, okay, here's the synopsis for um, everyone who hasn't seen this because no one's seen it before. So, 11 and a half year old Don Wiener is a shy, unattractive, unpopular seventh grader living in a middle-class suburban community in New Jersey. Her older brother, Mark, is a nerdy high school student who plays clarinet in a garage band and shuns girls in order to prepare for college. <laughs> Don loathes her pretty and innocent younger sister, Missy, who unwittingly pesters Don and dances around the house in a tutu. Don takes out her frustration on Missy, parodying the bullying she experiences... Wait, par <laughs> parodying the bullying she experiences from peers onto her. Her mother, Marge, is a shrewish woman who dotes on Missy and sides with her in disputes with Don. Her father, Harv, is a meek man who sides with Marge over Don. <laughs> her only friend is a feminine sixth grade boy named Ralphie, with whom she shares a dilapidated clubhouse in her backyard. At school, Don is ridiculed and her locker is covered in graffiti. At home, Marge punishes her for calling Missy a lesbo and refusing to apologize. 
Her teacher unfairly keeps her after school after one of her bullies, Brandon McCarthy, tries to copy her answers on a test. Later, Don gets in trouble again and accidentally after accidentally hitting another teacher in the eye with a spitball in self-defense when Brandon and his friends bully her during his in assembly. Mark's classmate, Steve Rogers, a handsome and charismatic aspiring rock musician, agrees to join the band in exchange for Mark's help in school. Whew, sorry, take a deep breath. Don pursues... Don pursues him romantically when they spend time together, though one of Steve's former girlfriends tells her that she has no chance of being with him. After Don calls Brandon a... Okay, I'm just going to preface this entire podcast. Uh, this is a, a a warning. There is going to be some strong language uh, used in this podcast, I'm sure. I'll try not to, but if it does, you know, this it doesn't reflect our views on these things. We know now that these are uh, bad words and slurs, and we do not agree with them. Is that accurate, Dustin? Yes, 100%. Yes. So after Don calls Brandon a retard during a confrontation, he threatens her with rape. His first attempt, his first attempt to assault her after school fails. But shortly afterward, he phones her. He phones her, ordering her to meet him again the next day when she complies away so quickly. (laughs) Oh, God. He takes her to a junkyard where he starts an earnest conversation with her and kisses her instead. At dinner that evening, when she refuses to tear down her clubhouse to make room for her parents' 20th anniversary party, Marge has Mark and Missy destroy it and gives them Don's share of the dessert. That bitch. Don and Brandon spend time in her clubhouse, but she confesses to him her feelings for Steve, causing him to storm out. Ralphie, who was spying on them, tries to comfort Don, but she angrily rejects him when he insults Brandon, leaving her with no friends. At the anniversary party, Don intends to proposition Steve, but gets cold feet and is rebuffed. Steve plays with Missy, who pushes Don into a kiddie pool. That evening, the family watches a videotape of the party, laughing when Don falls into the water. Later, Don smashes the tape with a briefly branded and briefly brandishes her hammer over Missy as she sleeps. A few days later, Brandon is arrested and expelled from school for suspected drug dealing. Meanwhile, Harv's car breaks down and Marge has to pick him up. She instructs Danny or Don to tell Missy to get a ride home from with her ballet teacher, but she chooses not to after arguing with Missy, who is kidnapped as a result. Don visits Brandon's home and meets his mentally challenged brother and aggressive father. She tells Brandon that she wants to be his girlfriend, but she but he tells her that he is running away to New York City to avoid being sent to a reformatory. After they kiss, an argument about him dealing drugs ensues with him saying that one of his friends is the real culprit. Regardless, he asks Don if she will come with him, but she declines and leaves through his bedroom window. When Marge is informed that Missy's tutu was found in Times Square, Don goes to New York City to look for her. After a night of searching, she phones home and Mark tells her that Missy was found alive and unharmed by police after being abducted by a pedophilic pedophilic by a pedophile. (laughs) I was going to say by a pedophile neighbor. Don returns to town and her classmates ridicule her as she delivers a thank you speech. Mark later tells her that she cannot expect school life to get any better until high school. On a bus ride to Walt Disney World for a concert tour, Don sits among her fellow choir members and joins them in singing the school anthem. That was such a long synopsis. Holy buckets for such a short movie. But uh, that is Welcome to the Dollhouse. All right. Okay, so I first saw this movie back in 1996. It had already won at Sundance, and I rented the film because I had never heard of it, but I saw it as, as it was a hit at a major film festival. Uh, it sits on the box at the video store. My father and I, you know, we watched it together, and it made him really uncomfortable. And <laughs> when he asked me why I liked it so much, I told him because this is exactly what school is like for so many kids. This movie nailed it. I have since seen this film at least a dozen times and hold it very near and dear to my heart. Uh, last night was your first time watching it. And what are your initial thoughts? Don't give me like a whole like two hour explanation. Just tell me like, you know, <laughs> you got 30 seconds. Tell me what your initial thoughts were. I didn't like it. I didn't think that it was uh, relatable to now. And in that sense, I don't think it aged well. But the one thing I will say is I did not watch this movie back in the 90s. So I, I can totally understand how it could relate to you quite a bit better uh it is not pc obviously they use the f word and f word is faggot and i do not like when they use that and it's used a ton so um there are a lot of slurs and not appropriate content in this film but and that really kind of that that really pulled me away from it but i totally get where you're coming from so do you do you think that kids don't use that word today like you say so, it's not you say it doesn't age well. Do you, are you telling me that kids aren't bullies at school right now? And, and maybe maybe they don't use that word, but I'm sure that they substitute that for a different word. 
Right, right, right. No, and, and, and they do. I mean, they, they definitely substitute different words. I think, um, like, like the locker graffiti and, and the, I don't know, the whole rape scene was, was, you know, I shouldn't say the rape scene, like it didn't, it didn't happen, but still just the implication that he said he was going to rape her was really hardcore. And, and it, it just got me, I, I felt weird and gross and creeped out, but you know, graffiti in the locker with all those things, that shit won't, wouldn't fly nowadays. You know that wouldn't fly nowadays. But but again, it was a different time. So I could, I, I, I tried to separate myself from living in the now and and go back in the past to see like when I was in middle school back in the in the 90s and see how that was. But mm. uh, I don't know. I, I ultimately didn't like this film. Okay, not a problem. You're, you're allowed to not like it. So bullies play a prominent role in Dawn's daily routine. You know, she was bullied at school, home, and even while out and about. Regardless of the near constant onslaught, she continues to persevere and stick up for herself and others. Even after she helps another kid being beat up, that little fucker says, leave me alone, wiener dog. And, then, and it's like, <laughs> dude, this poor kid. Yeah. You know, have you ever had to deal with a bully either in school or at the work job? Oh, man. Yeah, Justin, I I was teased when I was a kid because I was fat. And, uh, you know, it sucked. I drink a lot of soda pop and ate a lot of burgers and stuff. And I just I don't know. I was always I've always been kind of a hefty kid for the most part. And like I still have body image issues today. And it's 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 fucked me up over the, you know, my, my life pretty much. But I was teased even by like my brother, who was an asshole and um, he was a bully. So it was it was it was really it was really hard. And I mean, I think that kind of went into this, too, is I don't like bullies in, in movies. Um, I understand it's a harsh reality and I, I, I can't stand it. I wish that I could existentially, you know, create something that could prevent bullying in real life for everybody, because I, I don't think that, um, you know, it's it's healthy for anyone. Oh, obviously. And it breaks my heart. And I think about times that I may have been crass or or what you could call a bully to some people growing up. And I was an idiot. And it, it, it breaks my heart because I feel that everything I was experiencing when I was younger, I probably did that to some people in my life. And um, that wasn't fair. So I've done everything I can to try to combat that. And I know that when I have children, uh, I will definitely be teaching them to love and accept everybody uh, because these formative years in middle school are just so important. And, and you know, in elementary school are so important. But um, it, it's tough, man. Bullies are bullies are scary. Think of think of how many school shootings that were occurring in the 90s and the early 2000s because of bullying. And uh, it's it's just awful. And I never want anyone to live through that experience. So it, it was difficult to watch at times. And I think that's what kind of made this movie hard, hard for me just because it felt kind of relatable and I felt sad on the inside. <laughs> sure. No, that's fine. I mean, even when she's in class and uh, Brandon's like going, fuck you. Yeah. Fuck you. Then when she goes home, she's doing the exact same thing to Missy. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's crazy. And I that that sort of behavior uh, is easy to replicate. You know, yeah. if she has to deal with it, at school and now she has an opportunity to be the superior and and pick on someone smaller than her uh that is crazy how kids do that and it's like a um it's kind of like a reflective outlet like she's learning this new term and you know she calls she calls her a lesbo and she just got called a lesbo at school right Uh, she says you know fuck you to her sister she calls uh her little neighbor friend who's like her only friend a retard after um brandon calls him that and it's just like you know i i get it she 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 needs an outlet to expunge her her basic. Um, she, she calls him yeah. the f word. Does she? Oh yeah, golly, I don't like it. Yeah, it's brutal. Like when he when they leave the clubhouse. And, yeah, um, yeah, it's crazy. So ten minutes into this film, we're treated to an extremely hard to watch bathroom scene where Lolita wants to watch Don go number two. Uh, you know, this scene cuts to Don bursting through the doors and running away, only to be trapped by the perimeter fence. Um, you know, where are you mentally, Zachary Dale 60? <laughs> after after these first 10 minutes, we've already experienced the cafeteria scene that, you know, the whole lesbo, lesbo, you know, then we get a snapshot of her home life and how her mom yells at her. And then now we have the classroom. But then we have this bathroom scene. But where are you mentally after this incredible journey of horrible that's only 10 minutes into this movie? <laughs> 
Um, yeah, I mean, I was pretty creeped out by that. I, I, I didn't enjoy her weird vibe and kind of, I don't know, arousal she got from making her take a shit with the door open. Right. I mean, she I know kicks it, the door open. She's like, I, I want to watch. She's like, why do you hate me? <laughs> it was you're ugly. Holy shit, dude. And I and like it was all a power move. I totally get it. But it was just ugh. so, you know, I had no clue where it was going. I was creeped out, but I still wanted to give the film a chance because I know you like it a lot. And um, it had this Napoleon Dynamite vibe to it, kind of. So I was I was interested. It was very odd. Um, the clothing was really interesting. So I, I, I wanted to keep giving it a chance, obviously. And I just felt bad for Don. And I was expecting her to either stand up to the bullies kind of like at the end of the film uh, or maybe like have a makeover and become, you know, this this beautiful, popular girl somehow. Like, you know, remember me? Big mistake. Huge. And yeah, then I'm uh, actually glad that you said that because I'll, we'll get to that at the very end. But OK, that is a very well, com- I'll, I'll make a note of it. OK. And uh, or I mean, or I was thinking of like, the, you know, the very morose taking violent action sort of thing like she I don't know does a whole carry situation so I was I was surprised though just the way this film ended the uh the poop scene kind of I don't know I'm glad I guess I'm glad it was done early on it just didn't get much better from there right I think it's it's shows you this is what her life is like this is what she has to deal with this is junior high for her every single day it's it's you, one more fucking thing that she has to deal with you could almost say her life is shitty there you go. So uh, <laughs> about 15 minutes into it, enter Steve Rogers. And like the voice of an angel, Don is captivated and immediately smitten over a high school hunk. Have you ever been smitten before? And, you know, where you just lose all brain function and in an instant, your heart just sort of skips a beat or jumps out of your chest? Has that ever happened to you? Oh, dude, totally. Are we just talking about just like when I was younger? No, whenever. I mean, oh, oh, man. I, being sm- like there's a difference between seeing someone like on the street and just being like, oh, wow, that person's attractive or whatever. But then there's another where you have like sort of a meet cute and maybe you trip on each other or something or you see someone for the very first time and then nothing can come out of your mouth except just like a garble mess because you're just so smitten. You are literally lose con- complete control of your body. Has that ever happened to you? Meat cute. I don't eat meat, Justin. You're crazy. But uh, yeah, definitely. I, I've I've definitely had in, in later life, the, the past, I'd say like 15 years, I've met some some amazing women that I have just been like, oh, my God, I love her so much and just absolutely smitten by absolutely adored. Um, for the sake of this, I'm not going to name any names, but I do remember specifically when I was younger, just because it's it's topical to this movie. Uh, there was this gal who went to a different uh, middle school. We had two in my hometown. And I thought she was like the prettiest girl ever. Uh, And we used to have high school or middle school dances. So in seventh grade, I was a wimp and I was, you know, nervous because I was a fatty. And so I didn't want to dance. I I wanted to dance with people, but I didn't know how to do it. And then eighth grade, I was like, you know what? Do it. Go for it, Zach. And so I was asking girls left and right to dance. And then we would get a Polaroid photo because there was a photo booth set up. It was really cool. So I finally one day because both of our schools did joint dances. And one day, one night, I asked her to dance, and she said, yeah. And I was just like, oh, my God. I was so happy. So um, had a crush on her throughout high school, too. Uh, we're friends still, um, and, and we talk every once in a while. But, uh, yeah, she's still very beautiful. But um, I had a huge, huge crush on her. And then when I was younger, too, I have an older sister um, who is six years older than me. So as a kid a teen and preteen, I should say, when my sister was in high school, of course, she had these older friends that she hung out with and my sister's pretty. And so like all of her friends were pretty. And so I just had all these crushes on these girls. And it was so funny because I'm this middle school kid with these high school seniors and we all go to the lake and I'm just like, yeah, I don't want to get out of the water yet. <laughs> so <laughs> It was uh, great. I mean, I shit. They could have asked me to like paint their house and I would have done it. I was so girl crazy at that time but i didn't know what dating was or anything so i didn't have a girlfriend but i just was like oh my god she's so hot so uh yes i've this podcast for the sake of time i don't i won't talk for forever about it but yeah man i've I've definitely had that time that she's smitten so that was pretty relatable to me sure so i really like the shot because she starts off in the bedroom and then she just sort of hears like the faint singing and music of the garage band 
And then she walks down the stairs and she goes to the front door and she just leaves the door open. And the music's getting louder and louder and louder as she gets closer to it. And then it's just it's like a siren, you know, like she's being just sort of pulled to the shore or to the rocks. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I think it's so cool. It's like she's it's like a, almost cartoony in a weird way. It's it's great. I love it. Yeah, I agree. I actually so, I, I didn't mind that scene. So the song that he's actually singing. So what's particularly interesting to me about uh, this song is that it parallels Dawn's sister, Missy. Uh, if you listen to the lyrics, it's basically talking about her kidnapping, which at this point in the film hasn't happened yet, because this is obviously 15 minutes in the movie. But uh, and we'll actually play a clip of the song because a lot of people haven't heard this this song before or seen this movie. So here is a clip of Sweet Candy from Welcome to the Dollhouse. The lyrics are, you see, I, I know your mama's pearl. You're a pearl from the ocean of tears. I'm going to steal that pearl when she don't see. Won't you give me some sweet candy? And uh, it's it's pretty awesome. <laughs> oh, and, and the music's got like this cool like 60s vibe to it. And, you know, there's like a clarinet playing and the drums yeah. and, and, <laughs> and it's a keyboard, but it has like this organ vibe to it. And it's so fucking cool. I love every second of it. It's so trippy. Uh, you know, you mentioned Napoleon Dynamite and how uh, what's interesting about that movie is you're not really sure what time it takes place in. Uh, you know, you know, the movie came out in like 2005 or whatever, but you're like, when the hell does this movie take place? And uh, I think Welcome to the Dollhouse has a lot of that same vibe, especially since yeah. uh, their house probably hasn't, you know, gotten new furniture or paint or carpets since like the 70s. So oh God, it, it just bad. <laughs> it just kind of has like that weird uh lost in time sort of aspect to it um but i love the music i love all the songs that steve rogers sings um so moving on dawn is obviously an outcast in her own home she constantly fights with her older brother mark and her younger sister dawn clearly the middle child is the most unloved out of the bunch did you have to struggle with this as a child growing up uh not really i have three siblings three other siblings two older uh one younger my younger sister got a decent amount of attention because she was the youngest, but I, I don't know. I didn't have an adult lens on, on the whole process. It was a selfish, you know, teenager. So I didn't really know the gravity of everything, but um, I didn't really get, uh, I wasn't like an outcast or anything from what I can remember. So it, it definitely wasn't like a Dawn situation for sure. Mm. Okay. I mean, I, I know that in my own family, the, the middle child, uh, I never saw any sort of of lack of love towards my, my sister because I'm the baby, and then you know I have a middle sister, and then and then like a the oldest. And uh, while she will tell you that that she definitely has you know been loved less, it's it's a fun argument. <laughs> so it uh, it always makes us crack up because we don't see it. But right. uh, whatever, I, I'm sure if I were a middle child, then I would be able to experience what she experienced. But I was the baby and and I was a boy out of two girls. So I had uh, I had a lot of love thrown my way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I can't complain. But if it was there, I never saw it. Let's put it that way. <laughs> there um, you go. Yeah. I mean, she was amazing. You know, she was captain of the cheerleading team. She was the president of, of her class. Uh, she did everything. She's a straight A student. Um, you know, my my parents were very proud of her. So uh, I would find any sort of accusation stating otherwise to be absurd. Yeah, but what can you do? Uh, so there's one scene where Mark is reading a letter from his girlfriend, and this is her third letter to him. So we're led to believe that he isn't writing her back. And she writes about their previous discussion at camp, where they explored the idea of having sex. And she mentions that she talked to her mother uh, and that they agreed sex is important and should be between two people deeply committed in their relationship. Moments later, Don walks in the room probing Mark for answers about Steve Rogers. You know, he doesn't do well in school. 
uh, because according to Mark, all he thinks about is girls. When Don asks Mark if he thinks about girls, he exclaims, what are you kidding? I want to get into a good school. You know, my future is like important. So, so much so that, you know, he's not even entertaining the idea of sex with his, his then girlfriend. You know, this is interesting because while Don is struggling with bullies and special feelings for Steve, Mark is overwhelmed with the pressures of getting into a good college. You know, he's shooting for an Ivy League school and is obsessing over extracurricular activities. Uh, again, this isn't Mark's story, but it's definitely worth mentioning as this film does an amazing job of dealing with the pressures of school, both social and academic. Can you walk us through your high school experience? You know, was it plagued by peer pressure or academic pitfalls? Or drugs, sex, or depression ever a factor in your school career? Uh, drugs, sex, or whatever the last thing you said. Drugs, depression, sex, or depression weren't really a um, factor for me per se. I mean, we drank and stuff, but that was just because it was high school. Uh, I smoked PBR weed. <laughs> in yeah, I, I smoked weed for the first time in high school, but like senior year. So I, I was always a pretty straight arrow. I wanted to be a cop, um, probably starting my junior sophomore year. So. I was uh, I was a pretty straight arrow. Um, I mean, I still drank and everything just because it was it was high school. But I, I fit into the the paradigm that is high school. And I and I wanted to uh, care. I cared more about my social um, standing. And so I did well in school. Like I made honor roll and everything when I graduated. But I, I know I could have done better and I could have made like the, the torch club or whatever it's called the top 75 students so I, I yeah <laughs> i don't know it's dumb you, you you get you get your name in the yearbook i don't know so any anyways you know i could have done better if i focused more on it but i was i was focusing on sports and focusing on just trying to have fun which you know it's a double-edged sword because those are such great times in your life and and i didn't i didn't want to put my nose in a book and just jam away and not experience high school so it can, but it, but the argument can made can be made the other way, where it's just like high school is a stepping stone, just kind of like what Mark was saying. You know, he's he said it's it's going to get easier in high school because they they say they make fun of you, they just don't say it to your face, um, which I, it, it's pretty accurate. I, I would say that that's pretty accurate. But uh, you know, I, I have certain regrets from high school, like not joining debate or not doing other types of clubs, but. Um, I academically, I, I bombed the SAT. I didn't do well at all for that, but I didn't really apply for colleges. I, I did the SAT because I felt like I needed to. And I just did shit. I was I was bad at it. So I, I didn't really care, man. And in terms of girls, like in high school, I don't know what girls were. I mean, I did when I was younger. I just was like, uh, I'm scared. So it was uh, it was interesting. All right. That's fine. So let's talk about Brandon McCarthy. You know, this kid is is bad news for a lot of students. He says uh, the most awful things, including when he threatens to rape Don after school. At three o'clock, you get raped. Be there, <laughs> which is pretty absurd. Uh, but we soon learn that his brother is mentally disabled and that Brandon actually has a soft side. You know, he falls for Don, but he has to keep up the tough guy routine at school. He tries to get an invitation to Cookie's birthday party by by saving his dessert from lunch uh, to give to her. And of course, it's a cookie because her name is Cookie. And uh, she not only rejects the thoughtful gift, but also makes a fool out of Brandon. Now I ask you, Zach, did this scene make you feel bad for Brandon? No, not at all. He's a he's a piece of shit. And none of his actions are justifiable, in my opinion. I mean, I know I know that's not fair because his home life is trash, um, but I just didn't care for him at all. He was a he was a very mean bully. And, and again, the whole rape thing was really intense. And I was like, holy shit, this guy is a piece of crap. Um, I wish I cared for him more, but I, I couldn't. I couldn't get behind his 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 profanities, his slurs and his bullying. So I I don't know. I, I, I was trying. I was trying hard, but I just could not get behind him enough. All right. So near the end of the movie, we discover that Brandon lives in quite literally a broken home. Uh, his father has had enough of him as he was expelled for dealing drugs, uh, something he actually didn't do, but it fits his profile and the expectations of the adults around his, in, around him in his life. So he just goes along with it. You know, even Don thought that he was dealing drugs. Do you believe Brandon is a victim in this story or is he getting what he deserves? I mean, I think her going to the the house that helped quite a bit in terms of giving a different perspective to the audience. And so I did feel slightly bad for him in, in that sense where he's you know he sleeps on the floor he doesn't have a bed it's definitely a broken home and at least it gave more insight to to why he's the way he is um but even how he interacted with don at his house 
I don't know. He still seemed like an asshole. And I'm like, dude, you're alone with her. Why can't you just be that sweet guy in the in the treehouse or in the fort, which you kind of were sweet, even though you pushed her. But um, I don't know. I mean, I guess you could technically say he was a victim. Uh, he, he he was guilty by his looks, which is, is, is bullshit. Um, but I mean, he also was hanging around shitty friends. So I don't know. But yeah, I mean, you, you could say he was a victim for sure. Sure. So there's a couple of things that uh, give you clues as to his lifestyle. You know, he wears the same clothes. Uh, his hat is all like frayed, like the bill is all destroyed. Uh, you know, he he's definitely clinging to what he already has. He's got right. that crazy cut on his face. Uh, like what happened to this kid? You know, did did his dad beat him? You know, like what is going on with this man? Like like on the surface, he just appears to be an asshole because he treats people terrible. Uh, but usually it's it's pretty fair to assume that the way he's treating people is because of how he's being treated, just like Dawn is treating her sister because of how she gets treated in school. So um, we're literally seeing this, this cycle happen. So uh, it's definitely upsetting. Yeah, I could see that for sure. Yeah. Okay, so let's revisit the dessert scene. You talked about it earlier. That's at the dinner table. Uh, Donna's upset because her mother wants her to destroy her clubhouse. Her father pleads with her to be smart, as there's no way she's going to win this one. Dawn decides that she's going to ba- she's not going to back down. You know, it's now it's time for dessert, and everyone gets a piece of delicious chocolate cake, except for Dawn. Her mother even goes to give her a plate, but then pulls it back away <laughs> instead. You know, then she splits the piece of cake with Mark and Missy, while Don is forced to watch. It's absolutely brutal and probably the most gut-wrenching scene for me. Uh, did you or anyone in your family ever get punished in this way? Like singled out at the dinner table? Uh, maybe, have to, maybe even have to stay after everyone else has gone on with their evening, but because they didn't do something, maybe they didn't eat all their food, they got to sit there until they eat it all. Shit like that. Uh, you know, not that I can recall. Um, I do remember one time vividly I... I was a really picky kid for some reason. Now I'm not. I'll eat any, anything except for garlic. Hold the garlic. But, um, you know, I, I uh, somebody made me a grilled cheese sandwich. It was my my sister, my older sister's friend. She was babysitting me and she made me a grilled cheese sandwich and I did not want it because I didn't like grilled cheese. So when she went to the bathroom, I ran outside really quick and I threw it outside and I like ran back to my seat, but she was coming back as I ran. So I was kind of half sitting, half not. And I'm like, I'm, I'm done. And she goes, you're not done and got all mad at me. And then my sister got in an argument with her and uh, I got in trouble because I I wasted food. But uh, we didn't really have any types of punishments like that. That I agree with you that that scene really was gut wrenching because it just pissed me off. I'm like a simple thing like chocolate cake that you clearly have for your family and you're going to deny your daughter because she won't take down her fort. Um, And then to have the audacity to split it between the other two kids her mom was a bitch. I was really upset with that. And <laughs> I don't think throwing salt into an open wound is the way to rear your child. I'm never going to tell someone how to raise their kids, but holy buckets, lady, like you are just an awful person. Like, why don't you think about your, your child and how they're handling things or talk to them every once in a while? She just sees she seems so self-involved and ah, bug the hell out of me. So, yeah, even though it was chocolate cake, I still despise uh, her way of parenting. Right. So and that, and that's that kind of goes back to just why I want everyone to watch this, because it's pretty much writing the book on how not to be a parent, how yeah. not to be a, a teenager, you know, and how to deal with with bullies, you know, and it's and it's crazy. There's a lot going on in this movie. It's 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 weird and it's quirky, but at its core, the messaging is there. And, and I love it for that very reason. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the scene where Brandon and Don are in the clubhouse making out. You know, it's tough. You know, Dawn confesses uh, she can no longer be with Brandon because she's in love with Steve Rogers. Brandon doesn't take this news too well, and that's understandable, especially at this young of an age. But, you know, have you ever had to tell someone that you love someone else or were you ever on the receiving end of that conversation? Oh, yeah. Uh, and not, not, not just crushes or or feelings, but like genuine like love, like how how Dawn is just completely back to the word smitten. Like she is just obsessed with Steve Rogers. So. You, when you're in this relationship, they are they aren't even committed to you because they are 100 percent thinking about someone else. I've never done that for someone else where I've been in love with someone else. Uh, that's definitely happened to me, though, and uh, it sucks. Um, I would never lay a hand on a, on a, on a woman like Brandon does. Um, I wouldn't say rude words to them either, but 
it, it is a bummer and it, it, it hurts your heart. Um, you know, you, you lash out just cause you're, you're upset and you're like, whatever, leave me alone sort of thing. So it's, uh, yeah, I've been, I've been ghosted more times than I can count, man. But, um, I don't know. I, I, I don't think I've purposely done that to somebody where I've been like, I'm sorry. I love another person. I've had a time when I've been talking to multiple girls at once and I had to make a decision on who I liked more. Um, and obviously, you know, I wanted to put more time and energy into somebody, but I don't like to let people down. And so I, I, I had to let them down gently and it, and it, it was uh, bad. It was like the Hindenburg exploding. And so I felt really awful, but, um, you know, I, I moved on and that's, and that is what it is. But, uh, yeah. So towards the end of the film, Missy is kidnapped from dance class. It's later discovered that she was actually taken by Mr. Kasdan, who built a special room for her. You know, she had her own TV and total control over the pusher, which I guess is New Jersey speak for remote control or clicker. <laughs> uh, she also had uh, as much candy at McDonald's as she wanted. Fortunately for the wieners, <laughs> Missy gets home safely. But do you remember if there was ever a kidnapping in your own town that rocked the community? I don't think so. There were I, I, I was kind of in a sleepy town. I guess it's gotten worse, but I don't remember any kidnappings per se. I think there might have been a murder, but um, murder you say? Yeah, but I don't think there was any kidnappings. I mean, we didn't have any weird stuff like that happen per se. Um Hers was was very interesting where it was kind of like unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt status where she's put underneath the, the basement or whatever. That was very interesting. Obviously, they're paralleling John Wayne Gacy and they're like, you know, he, he used to dress up as Santa for the kids or whatever they said. So that was a uh, real creepy. But no, I I don't recall anything like that happening. What about you? Uh, no, I had a pretty I grew up in a really small town, but I don't ever remember a kidnapping. I remember when that when a when a teen was shot, uh, that was a really big deal because his body was found on the way to school. Uh, he had broken into a house and the gun had a gun lock on it and he tried to get it off and he shot himself doing it. And uh, his body was discovered like in the front yard while kids were walking to school. That's pretty Jeez. nuts. Yeah. I have my freshman year. And I mean, this kid had been to my house a couple times, swam in my pool. Um, so it was pretty, pretty jarring when it, when it happened. Uh, but no kidnappings. Uh, I know Alex's community was was shocked to a, a a kidnapping and they and they found the poor girl's body like 10 years later or her remains rather. Uh, that's some scary shit because, you know, I, you know, you watched. Did you watch that documentary on the the original Night Stalker? Uh, the Richard HBO? Ramirez one uh, or no, the, no, no. the I'll be gone in the dark. I'll be gone in the dark. Yeah. Did you watch that one? Um, no, it's on my queue. I meant to. I don't. I'm trying to muster up the courage to watch it. I have a hard I mean, time it, with with true crime stuff, but I, I will sure, watch it. Sure. I mean, and it's it's okay if you don't. But I mean, when when this person was going around and terrorizing people, you know, they have town council meetings and their city council meetings, and people going like, "What can we do to be safe?" You know, the whole lock your doors and 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 get some kind of security system. You know, like people start to like freak out because the fear takes over, and that happens when it rocks. A small community um yeah. it's pretty crazy you know had play, kids a, a, had your wife had exactly <laughs> you know a, a big city you know like where like los angeles or new york or something like that where there's so many people that never really enter your lives there's uh, it's it's kind of hidden in a lot of ways uh at least at least for as as a as an adult male it doesn't have the same impact on me as if i were a woman walking into a a, a a parking garage to go to my car or to enter right. my apartment building. Someone's behind me. I can never know what that fear feels like. I, I can understand that it exists, but I have never feared for my life, you know, going to the gym, going to my car, going into my apartment, you know, things going for a walk, going for a jog. That's stuff that women have to deal with every single day of their lives. Yeah. But I mean, it takes a, a, an event like this for it to have an impact on me to where I'd be like, Oh shit. You know, someone was kidnapped. This is terrible. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we don't we're fortunate. We don't have to live in this sphere like half the population does, which is which is pretty crazy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, so let's go back to Steve Rogers. You know, one of his songs, uh, Welcome to the Dollhouse, you know, also fits the narrative of Don's kidnapping. Here is a clip of the song. Welcome to the Dollhouse. Thing in my 
the lyrics uh, say, you know, love's a confusing thing in my suburban home. I feel so alone. I walk through sterile rooms. There's voices in my head coming from the phone. I've got a blow up doll and she looks like you, a little girl. The two of us have made a special world, little girl. Welcome to the dollhouse. I've got it all set up for you, which is very much like what that pedophile neighbor did. He has a special room set up for her. She has a TV. She has the remote control. She's got a candy from a favor. You know, she's, she's got all these things just like this dollhouse. And that's fucking crazy. And this is happening before the kidnapping, which is really cool because it's almost like this weird subliminal thing that's going to happen. I I wouldn't call it foreshadowing because you would have no idea that someone's going to be kidnapped in this movie yet. At the very beginning of the movie, there's the one girl that's recounting her story of being kidnapped and the dangers of talking to strangers. So kidnapping is very much present in this movie, but you're just not picking <laughs> up on it, which is so fucking crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I know it's, it is weird when you think about it, too, because I was paying attention to the lyrics, like you said, um, and I don't think I gathered that from this song. I thought they were more about Dawn. Uh, and just the creepiness of like I'll snatch your pearl sort of thing. Um, I thought that was talking about him being like a predator for Dawn, uh, Steve Rogers being a predator for Dawn. So I was like, I don't like the way this is going. And then it turns out I still didn't like the way it was going, and it, it was even worse. <laughs> so right. Um, but yeah, it it is very clever. I will I, I will agree with you. So like uh, the only reason why I equated the the candy stealing candy from a baby song is uh, to to Missy was because. Uh, the parents, you know, dote on her so much. Yeah, uh, you know, the beginning yeah. was "I know your daddy's girl." The second verse is "I know your mama's pearl." Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas Dawn is none of those things. They yeah. they they don't even know that she exists. When 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 she is calling to say, "Hey, I'm in New York. You know, could someone come and get me? Is everything all right? You know, whatever." And she wants to talk to her mom. And Mark's like, can you call back later? She's being interviewed, right? <laughs> she didn't even <laughs> notice that she was gone. Yeah. That's so fucking crazy. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I know, right? It it blows me away. So uh, you talked about this earlier uh, when you were mentioning uh, how you thought this movie was going to end. You know, where do you stand on the ending of this film? You know, a lot of people um, just aren't all that happy with it. And I'm just curious to see where you landed. Yeah, I didn't like it. Um, it. I was trying to draw meaning because that's just what I do. I was trying to draw meaning from the whole Disney World thing. And the only thing I could think of was maybe that's a better world because Disney Disney World, Disneyland are like the happiest places on Earth. But yet Dawn did not want to go um, and she needed to kind of deal with her reality instead of just sweeping it under the rug and going off to fantasy. Excuse me, fantasy land. So um, maybe it just was the symbol symbolizing her finally accepting, well, this is the way things are kind of like Mark was saying, you know, just, just deal with it right now and it'll get better. So maybe that was her acquiescing and, and going with it, but I don't know. I'm it's, if it's up for interpretation, then I would love to hear what you have to think. I was trying to read up on it and everyone's reviews were just like, Oh, it's so good for life. And I go, but that's not answering my question. (laughs) So, and I was just like, that's not right. So, (laughs) that's not right (laughs) okie dokie shuffle so for me it was back to business as usual no one listens to her her she said she didn't want to go but look at she's on this trip she said she doesn't want to go her brother says what are you nuts if anything i'll look good on a college resume um she's again forced to do something she doesn't want to do nothing has changed she's still going to school she's still getting bullied she's still getting picked on she still hates it and it isn't the Hollywood ending that we're used to. All she ever talked about was, I want to be popular. I want people to love me. She's having these fantasies about it. Like, oh, Don, you're my favorite. We love you, Don. That is, couldn't be further from the truth. And, yeah. and the cold, harsh <laughs> reality is that we don't listen to kids. We, we don't understand them. You know, we, we block them from our daily routine, even when they're our own kids. And that's what's happening in this movie. Her parents don't listen to her. Her brother doesn't listen to her. And her sister, you know, is just in her own little world. And so she is left to to continue and marching on, going to school, going to the place that she hates, and nothing has changed. She's not getting the makeover. She's not going to be beautiful. She's not going to to ever change. 
So right. why should the world around her change? Instead, she's got to do what she's she's being forced to do something she doesn't want to do. Right. And that's that's the life of Don Wiener. And it's so sad and so tragic and it breaks my heart. I know. Me too. That's why I was sad watching this movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, final thoughts. Uh, I'd actually like to give mine first. Uh, sure, please. If, if you please. Um, yes. So fear and desire, anxiety, uh, depression, love, hate, and confusion are all very relatable themes. And they're very prevalent in this film. Uh, especially, you know, to a teen, junior high and high school can be really tough. You know, parents don't always listen. And so many teachers are just over it. And they don't even want to fucking be there, which is really sad when that happens, especially the older ones, like the lady that was yelling at her about being a fucking grade grubber and stuff. Um, you know, and now kids have to worry about mass shootings. You know, give me a break, dude. Like school just put kids to the ringer and it doesn't ever apologize. Some folks grow up like Missy and have it all. You know, they have all this privilege. They get whatever the fuck they want without having to work hard for it. And then there's others like Mark that try very hard to do well in school. Uh, and then there's others like Don that just get picked on every single day. And if they're lucky, they live long enough to get past all the horrible and have a moment or two of joy. Hopefully they found a way to deal with with just all the shit. Maybe they get uh, some professional help or they're surrounded by people that love and support them. But not everyone gets a happy ending, which is, I think is very important for the ending of this movie. And, you know, the world can be cruel. And uh, Welcome to the Dollhouse reminds us that cruelty can thrive in two places a child spends most of their time, at home and in school. And for that reason, I give this movie an A+, and I absolutely fucking love it. Yeah, no, well, very well said. I don't think I drew that same meaning from this film as you did. Um, it just fell flat for me. I was trying to, to like it, but I, I got taken away from... Uh, a lot of the slurs, a lot of just the subject matter and the way they did things. Now, that's not necessarily fair because I am watching this movie 20 plus 25 years after it came out where it was a completely different time. It doesn't excuse it. It just means that I think there are a lot of films that if you see or a lot of media in general that if you see at a young age, it has a lasting impact on you that maybe when you watch it 20 years later, it doesn't for a new viewer. So I totally understand that. But my issue with it was uh, was pretty much everything I've already said for the last hour. I think it can be done better. And in fact, it has been done better, in my opinion, in the movie Eighth Grade, which I've talked about before by Bo Burnham. Uh, they deal with similar situations about uh, leaving eighth grade, that that real formative time in your life when you need to go from eighth grade to, to high school. And so um, I think that is a shining example of a, a modern take on this. And I'm sure Bo maybe got some uh, ideas from Welcome to the Dollhouse. So I'm sure there's a dichotomy there. So, but uh, unfortunately, this movie is a D for me, and it's not failing because I do appreciate that you love it so much, um, and I can get what you're saying. And I even moved it up from a D minus to a D, Justin, just because wow. you made some very good points. You're so. crazy. I know you made some very good points, but uh, that is that is me. I just I was I was you know scrounging the internet, and I could not figure out for the life of me why this is a ninety percent on Rotten Tomatoes. I am part of that ten percent. Call me crazy, but uh, yeah, I just I could not get behind it. I don't know what it was. And I was paying attention. You were the only person I was texting, but it, I just I was paying attention. I just I couldn't I couldn't do it. I liked the music, though. The music was cool. <laughs> well, all right. Do you want to take us home? Sure. Thank you for listening to the Don't Be Crazy podcast. Remember to follow us on Twitter at DBCrazyPod, at EdgyArmo, and at ZachDale60, where you can share your thoughts with us and we will discuss them on our show. Uh, heck, you know, you can even tell us what movie you think we should watch for our next episode. Welcome to the Dollhouse 2, Don's Revenge. Please also be sure to check out the Geek Legacy podcast with David, Randy, and Justin, as well as the Pixelated podcast with Stephen K. James. Just please don't be crazy. Thank you for listening.